You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrds.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Bless you. It's so good for us to be together. It is um, it's Pentecost Sunday, uh, as we've said. It is such a special uh, and significant Sunday in the life of the church. Acts chapter 2, the first few verses. When the day of Pentecost came, let's just remind ourselves quickly, then I'll continue reading. Pentecost, a Jewish festival. Uh, it is a um, it is a early harvest festival. There were two harvests. This is one of the first May June early harvest festivals of wheat. Ten days after the ascension, fifty days after um, another uh, harvest festival, uh, the harvest festival of barley uh, is the day of Pentecost, and it's on that day that this took place, on this festival of Shavuot, the, the harvest festival of wheat, that this happened. So when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. So we have two, remember we are in a series and we are talking about saying, Lord, you've given us this helper, the Holy Spirit, your presence in us, with us, to help us. But Lord, I want to know, how does the Holy Spirit help me? So we're looking at the different uh, images, metaphors we're given for the Holy Spirit. Last week, we spoke about the Holy Spirit is here to teach us. The Holy Spirit is an expert in Jesus, and his primary role is to teach us Jesus. In this passage, we're given two more images for the Holy Spirit, wind and fire. So how does wind and fire help me? Friends, I want to say this to you, I, and I've said this now uh, for a couple of weeks. I, I said that God has laid this series on my heart towards the end of last year already. Having a real sense that God wants to bring revitalization, renewal, and dare I even use the word revival. For you, into your heart, into your life, into your, into what is the most important relationship 
of your life. Far more than your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your colleagues, your friends. And that is your relationship with your creator, with your God. And I believe that God wants to, in this season, you know what, I just, so my son is at, is at um, Opvacken. And so he sent me a video clip, I, I think it was last night, when they were in this tent. The tent was so full, he didn't even fit in the tent. He's like outside the tent. <laughs> and they're worshipping, and crazy. And I just, and I was speaking to um, Ellis quickly this morning as well. She was there yesterday. And just that real sense as I listened to my son and listened to Ellis again, and just that experience that God wants to do something. There's something exciting happening. God's got a real heart for our teenagers, for our young people. And God wants to revive and revitalize and renew. And I believe God wants to do that for not just the younger generation, but for every generation. God wants to do it for me, and He wants to do it for you, and He wants to do it for Crossroads. And I believe that God wants to do something new and fresh, and that this is a season for us of revitalization, renewal, revival of our relationship with our God, our most important relationship. The thing that I want to ask you is, and this has been my, my constant challenge, is you know the story and the image we have in the Bible about uh, new wine. But new wine cannot go into old wineskins. New wine must go into new wineskins. God, God's got new wine for us. And so really my question is just, what is the posture of your heart? Is the posture of your heart old wineskin? Yeah, yeah, whatever, heard this before. <laughs> or is the posture of your heart, God, I've been in church 50 years. I've been in church five days, whatever it might be. I've walked with you for five minutes. I've walked with you for decades. Lord, whatever it might be. Lord, I want to say to you today in the season, as Paul preaches about the Holy Spirit and all of this and that, I want to say to you, Lord, the posture of my heart is, I want, I desire new wine, and the posture of my heart is, yes, Lord. I want what you have for me. Whatever that might look like or what it might mean, the posture of my heart. Is come, Holy Spirit, be my teacher, show me Jesus. And I pray for me and I pray for you that the Spirit of God will begin to stir something and renew the posture of your heart that says, Come, Lord, come, Lord. Breathe new life into our relationship. And so to that end, this is all the introduction, so by the way. <laughs> to that end, I, I firmly believe that there needs to, as when you talk Holy Spirit, there needs to be an intellectual understanding. Because I believe, that, and there needs to be an experiential understanding of the Holy Spirit. If there is only one without the other, it is dangerous. And it often results in hurt and pain and struggle. 
So there needs to be an intellectual understanding. Holy Spirit, who are you? How are you here to help me? I want to think about it. I want to read about it. I want to study it. I want to reflect upon it. I want to ask questions about it. And so this sermon series is an attempt to help us to stimulate you to want to begin to have an intellectual understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so we'll preach about it for 10, 11 weeks. But there also needs to be an experiential understanding of the Holy Spirit, the presence and the power of God. And when I bring that together, I think beautiful things happen in our lives. And so to that end, I want to give you a bit of some announcements. Here's what's going to happen. So yes, I'm preaching about this every week. But I want to say to you, what's the date? On the 26th of June, because I believe what God wants to do something new with us. On the 26th of June, it's a Monday night. We have a standing prayer meeting on a Monday night. The 26th of June, mark that day in your calendar. I am calling and challenging us as a church to gather on that day at our community center and to pray together as a church. 26th of June, a church-wide, not a small faithful few gathering, a church-wide prayer meeting. The people of God coming together saying, the posture of my heart, Lord, let me show you the posture of my heart. The 26th of June, we're going to pray together as a church. Then, the 9th of July, Sunday the 9th of July, and this is the name because I can't really come up with a better name, but the 9th of July, we're going to have an anointing service. So, so I don't really know what's going to happen at that service, and if you know me, you will know that that freaks me out big time. I'm a planner. I need to control things. Here's the intention for Sunday, the 9th of July. We want an intellectual understanding. We want an experiential understanding. The 9th of July, I'm not really going to preach. We're going to worship and we're going to pray. I'm going to invite all the elders to be here and they're going to be scattered. And at a particular point, um, I'm going to ask for all those that want that the elders anoint you with oil. The week before, I'm going to explain what anointing with oil is about, and what image and how that connects to the Holy Spirit. So on that Sunday, for those who wish, the elders are going to anoint us with oil, and then we're going to spend time praying with and for one another. The 9th of July, be ready. And then the third thing that's going to happen... I, I've just been so busy, and I wanted to, to, but to do daily devotions for this sermon series. I didn't get around to it, and I thought, Paul, stop being lazy, and so I've done it. So you can find it on the app to help us furthermore. So on the app, you can look at it. There will be daily devotions for the remainder of the series to help you take this out of the Sunday and into the rest of the week to say, God, help me understand. Help me know. I want to prepare my heart for the 26th of June and the 9th of July. So I've prepared daily devotions for you, starting this week on the Holy Spirit. So that's what's going to happen. Okay, that was the introduction. 
Friends, when we read the story of Pentecost on Acts chapter 2 and then every chapter after that, we see the fruit, we see the result, we see the consequence of what happened on that moment, that day when God's Spirit came upon. We see who God is and what God wants and what God desires for us, that God wants to heal, that God wants to restore. We see that God desires to speak. Speak to us. God is not a silent God. We see that God desires, as we read the book of Acts, to give direction and instruction to us. We see that God wants to give us hope for our past, for our present, for our future. We see this is who God is, what He wants to do for us, what He wants to be for us. God wants to give us joy. He wants to give us purpose. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And so we have these two images of wind and fire, and I want to touch on them a little bit today. The wind of heaven, the fire of heaven. I'm going to first make mention of two ladies. Katie Spots, we're going to put up this slide. Katie Spots, and uh, the lady on what is your right is a Dutch lady, so I'm going to try and pronounce it. Not Laura, but Laura. Laura Decker. Two ladies, right? Uh, they have a lot in common. They are both endurance athletes. They both undertook solo trips on the water. They both hold records. They both have boats. Katie went from what was it, West Africa to South America. Laura went around the world. They have a lot in common, but there is one big difference between the two of them. Let's have a look. Katie was in a rowboat. Laura on a sailboat. Some of you Dutchies might remember Laura, 2012, became the youngest person to navigate solo to circumnavigate the globe. Some of you remember that in the news? Now, if I was forced into making a choice, <laughs> I know which one I'd pick. <coughs> Spiritually speaking, I want you to have that image before you, spiritually speaking, which describes your life. A rowboat or a sailboat? Many of us are living and our lives feel like rowboats. We're making progress. But not much, and definitely not fast. <laughs> Here is what God tells us to do. Care for the poor, comfort the confused, tell the truth, forgive those who have wronged us, Pray constantly, serve unselfishly, 
pursue morality. Here is what God calls us to be. Good stewards of money, good spouses to our mates, good members of society, good caretakers of the environment, good employees in the workplace. Here is what God challenged us to Find our gifts and use them. Find the lost and reach them. Find the prodigals of this world and bless them. Find the confused and counsel them. To control our tempers, to control our lust, to not be greedy, to not be arrogant, to control our tongues, to not be lazy, to control our appetites, to work on our grumpy attitudes. Anybody tired yet? <laughs> Rowboats. So many of us try and we try and be that and we, we try and live that and we try and do that, but we do it from a place of self. Change the world? My goodness, most of us, most days, can't even change ourselves. And that is the point and the heart of the Pentecost message and the message of fire and wind, because even though those two are nuanced and specialized and have different things that are kind of unique to them, really the two of them come together in this one idea that is the message of Pentecost, is that God wants to empower you. Turn your life from a, from a rowboat to a sailboat. He wants to empower you, first of all, to be. And then to do. That is what the wind of heaven is about. But that is what the fire of heaven is about. It is to empower you with the power of the resurrection. Because rowboat living leaves us depleted, anxious, stressed, worried, without energy, and we are just, just plainly freaking out in a general sense. And so God knows that if you are to be my faithful followers flourishing in the world, you will be challenged by waves and currents against you and that you cannot on your own. You need to be empowered with the power of heaven. God knew as those followers were sitting in that room together, He knew the task before them to be His witnesses in the world. He knew that there was no way. They needed the wind and the fire of heaven. And when that moment came, go and read the stories of their lives. That moment when Simon became Peter the rock, I believe this moment when the Spirit of God came was instrumental in that journey of Simon to Peter the rock, Saul to Paul, rowboat to sailboat, to empower you. God wants to do that. Today, still in the year 2023. See, here's the thing. Holy Spirit, what we cannot, the Holy Spirit can. What is there going on in your life, in your life at the moment that you just cannot? What uphill is busy taking your breath away. 
What uphill is busy leaving you breathless? What you cannot, the Holy Spirit can. And so our prayer today is, come wind of heaven, come fire of heaven. Empower me to be and to do. So it is interesting that Jesus has this conversation with a religious leader, Nicodemus, in John's Gospel, chapter 3. Let me read it for us a little bit. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs uh, that you do unless God is with him. Can you notice how Nicodemus is very uh, 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 careful? He comes at night and very tactful. He starts with kind of complimenting Jesus, uh, working on Jesus' nice side. But what you will notice is Jesus, and I love this story, Jesus is neither careful nor tactful. I mean, it's not, hello, Nicodemus, how are you nice to see you? As you read the story, Nicodemus hasn't even asked a question, and Jesus is already giving him the answer. Jesus had a message for him. Knowing his heart, Jesus had a message. Jesus answered him. He said, truly, truly, I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Remember, he's talking to an educated religious person. And what Jesus is saying to him, listen, the answer begins with you beginning again, starting fresh, being born again, starting anew, being made new, being created anew. That's where it begins. And so interesting if you are a Bible scholar, you will. what's interesting here that I noticed as I was preparing for this the other day, in verse 2, in verse 4, and verse 4 again, and verse 9, four times in this short conversation, what's going on here is um, Nicodemus is focused on what we can and cannot do. Rowboat living. Verse 2, no one can. How can can he? Verse 9. How can these things be? It's all about focus on human achievement and capability, what we can and what we can't do. That's what's going on. Lord, well, how can I do this? How can I be that? How can I achieve this? How can I circumnavigate the globe in a rowboat? Lord? How can I? How can I? How can I? And interesting, it, with, for every can, the four cans, Jesus comes with a cannot. In verse 3, verse 5, verse 6, verse 8, Jesus says, you cannot see, you cannot enter, you cannot give. And so what Jesus is saying here, listen, without the help of heaven, you cannot. Cannot. Without the help of heaven, you cannot. And so Jesus then talks to him about being born again. And he brings in this imagery of wind. We'll get to that now. And so we are meant to think in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus is saying, Lord, how, how can this be possible? How can this happen? How can I? 
He's saying, well, without heaven, you cannot. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot. You can try. It's not going to happen. You're going to live in a rowboat your whole life. It's not going to happen without the Spirit of God. And so we meant to think back about Genesis. We meant to think about where the breath of heaven, the wind of heaven, the breath of God came and created life where there was no life. Jesus saying, it begins with being born again. That's the start. It begins with being who you become. That's the first thing that happens. That's the first work of the wind. When we think about the wind of heaven, the first thing we understand, the first thing he wants to do for us, he wants to create in us a new life, a new heart. Life where there was death, a new Paul, a new me. That's where it begins. That's the first thing that he wants to do for you. Create new life. And from that place, I can do. Begins with being and then doing. So Jesus carries on. He says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus here is something so important. He's saying to Nicodemus, that which is born of a vegetable is a vegetable. That which is, okay, he didn't say that. Okay, that which is born of a dog is a dog. What's born of a cat is a cat. And he's saying, the beginning is you must be born again. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You must be born of the Spirit. And he's saying, when you are born of the Spirit, you are Spirit. Of the Spirit. And so Jesus is saying, Ta-da! And so if you are born again, born of the Spirit, you are spirits. If you're born of a cat, you're a cat. If you're born of a spirit, you're spirit. And so Jesus is saying, if you're born again, you're spirit. You have the wind of heaven in you. The power of the resurrection, the wind, the breath of God in you. And what you cannot, the Spirit of God can. I love that. And so I begin when I think about the wind and the imagery of wind. I start by saying, breath of heaven, create in me a new heart. From Simon to Peter, from Saul to Paul, make me a new person. Give me a new heart. I want to be born of the Spirit. I want to be your child. I want to be a citizen of heaven. And then from that place, Lord, understanding that I have the Spirit of God in me, I want to do all that you have called me to. The story of Pentecost is what we cannot do, he can. The Holy Spirit has come to empower us to change our lives from rowboat to sailboat, and it begins with transforming who I am. 
making me a child of God, born of the Spirit, with the Spirit of God in me. And when I have the Spirit of God in me, I can do. Now I can do. Now I can say no when I'm supposed to say no. Now I can say yes when I'm supposed to say yes. Now those dark habits that have been holding me for so long can be broken because the power of God is in me because I've been born of the Spirit. Now I don't feel like I'm rowing against the current. But I have the presence and power of God sailing along. Yes, with wind and waves, and we understand that. This imagery of fire is such a beautiful image as well. In Luke 3.16, it says, uh, John answered them all. He says, I baptize you with water. The one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And he will, bap- he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We read it in Matthew 3.11. And then we see the day of Pentecost. I want you to notice a few things, and then it, I'll put it all together for us about fire. I want you to notice a few things about fire. It's this. Look, we've all, we all know about fire. We've all had experiences with fire. I've got a great being nearly killed by an African bushfire story, but that's for another day. We've all experienced fire. We understand the image of fire. It's you know, about warmth and light and, and purifying. We, we've... We've seen it in Scripture. We, we remember in Exodus 3 uh, where Moses and the burning bush, the fire in the bush, and we understand some of the significance of it, you know, about the presence of God. Fire is about the presence of God. It's about the calling of God. It's about the anointing of God. We understand that when you talk fire and the significance in the upper room that day or the day when the disciples were together, it's about God's presence and God's calling, God's anointing. We think about when the Israelites were in the wilderness together and they were led for 40 years by this pillar of fire. We understand that that means about warmth, keeping presence away. We understand it's about light guiding them, giving direction, knowing which way to go, which way not to go. We understand all of that. We understand as we read about fire, this imagery about the refiner's fire, that it purifies and it, and it makes clean and it makes holy. We understand all those things. We think of uh, uh, when your mother used to take out a splinter out of your finger with a needle. What would you do first? She would first stick it in a flame to kill all the germs and so it purifies. We understand that when it's about fire. But really what's happening here with wind and fire together, God is saying, I'm here to empower you to be and to become the person that you were created to be. That's the work of the Spirit in you, to make you new so that you can be born again, created anew, start over in that sense. And so the fire plays into that. Well, let me just create in you a clean heart. Let's burn away that rubbish and that nonsense in your life. Let let me purify you so that you are worthy of this great uh, assignment that you're given to be a temple for the Holy Spirit. And so the fire comes in. It's about purifying and cleansing. But at the end of the day, wind and fire work together to achieve one goal, and that is to empower you. From rowboat to sailboat. To empower you to be and to do. God does not want you to live rowboat living. As so many of us are doing. 
So that verse about one coming to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire, just a couple of things. When you talk about baptism, there are four things you need to know. So the one is there is a baptizer, there is a baptizee. You are baptized into something and then there is a result or fruit of that which you have been baptized into. Those are the four things you want to consider when you talk about baptism. So what's going so what I want to know is, so the baptizer here is Jesus. It's important for us to hear this message that we understand. And the way that the Greek is written, it's the emphasis on he himself is going to do this for you. Jesus himself wants to do this for you. He wants to make you new. He wants you to be a new creation, a pure heart. Wind and fire. Jesus himself is the one who's going to do this for you. The baptizee, that's you and me. What are we baptized into? We baptize into the person of the Holy Spirit. See, this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. What's the result? What's the fruit? The consequence? Acts 1 verse 8. And you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. Because God wants, has a plan for us, has a purpose for us. He wants to send us into the world. He wants us to be his witnesses. That's the fruit. That's the ultimate fruit and consequence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The power to be and do and speak the good news message. The imagery of being baptized. Think about when we baptized people here the other day. This is what happened on Pentecost. This is what God wants to do for me and for you. This idea of being immersed in, submerged in, dunked in, that you stand up as Jesus came out of the Jordan River just dripping from head to toe. What, what Jesus is saying, this is what I want to do for you, that you stand there just dripping with the Holy Spirit as it were. I want to submerge you right in God's Spirit from head to toe so that every part of you is made new. Every part of you is a new creation. Every part of you is empowered to be and to do. I want to transform you from head to toe. Every habit, every hang-up, every hurt, every this, every that, dripping. Can you, have, you, have you got that image of someone who's just been baptized? Think about those young people there, just dripping. I think that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were just sitting there, they were just dripping with the Holy Spirit. The wind, the breath of heaven, I think first of all changed them and made them new. Because the people that emerged out of that room was not the same people. And then they were empowered because they were. They were empowered to do. Lord, I want you to transform every bit from me, of me from head to toe, dripping with. The Apostle Paul, Romans 7 and 8. Incredible passage. You'll know in Romans 7, Paul talks a lot about this. In fact, in Romans 7, it's, I think it's verse 27, somewhere there. 20-something, I think. This famous verse where Paul says, Who will deliver me from this body of death? You've heard that thing, right? And Paul talks about his struggle. And essentially what Romans 7 is saying, Paul is saying, I have... 
I'm in a rowboat and I cannot take it anymore. I'm frustrated. My, my, my relationships are not what they should be. I'm struggling with stuff I should not be struggling with. Who will deliver me from this body of death? My heart is broken. My, my, my soul is crushed. I'm struggling. I want to do the right thing, but I can't do the right thing. The things I do want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do do. And we just have this big lament and Paul is just struggling. And he's saying, I'm in a rowboat, God. Do you care? I cannot. And in chapter 7, interesting, 20-something times, I forget exactly how I many now, 20-something times we come across the pronoun I. Once we come across the word Holy Spirit. And in chapter 8, Paul writes about, and it is a new Paul, and he writes about, I am victorious, I am transformed, I am changed. I'm no longer in a rowboat, but I'm in a sailboat. And I just cannot believe God that I'm not struggling with this. And just God has been so good. And you'll see now the pronoun I, you find it only once. And the Holy Spirit, you find 20-something times. That complete change around. The point is, the answer it's the Holy Spirit. God knows it. Paul discovered it. And yet we are insisting upon living rowboat Christianity. Let us pray. Lord, the cry of my heart is that who will deliver me from this body of death? I'm tired of rowing, Lord. I just, I've just rowed enough. No more rowing. I want to be this, but I can't. I want to do that, but I can't. I wanna, I'm just done with rowing. Wind of heaven blow through my life baptizing me every from head to toe wind of heaven breath of heaven that creating breath that 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 causing new life breath I ask that you will breathe that breath through every part of my life from head to toe. I'm done with rowing. And let that breath create in me a new heart, O oh God. I want to be that which you destined me to be. A child of God. Fire of heaven burned through every corner of my soul. So that from a place of being, I can do the right thing. Say yes when I mean to say yes. Say no when I mean to say no. Fire of heaven, purify me. Lord, we know fire is nothing more than energy. 
released in the form of heat and light. Wind and fire of God empower me to be and to do. Come Holy Spirit, breathe on us, I pray. Friends, if you want to pray that with me, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. Stand with me and let us just pray this together as a people. Lord, you know that we are sensible people. We are sensible, we are mature, we are normal. And because we are all those things, we love rowing. But it's wearing us out. So today, with millions of Christians around the world, we stand and we pray. Wind of heaven, fire of heaven, come upon me. Come, Holy Spirit, creating me a new heart. Fire of heaven, burn away the things that should not be there. Empower me. So that I won't just make it from West Africa to South America, but I can circumnavigate the globe because of the wind of heaven. each and every one of us here, I pray. I pray, Lord, that you will begin a work in every heart here. A work that is not motivated by some emotional stirring up on a Sunday morning, but a real, truth, honest work of God Almighty in every heart and every life. So that when I leave here tomorrow morning, the only thing I can think about is God, my relationship with you. When I'm at work, when I go home, that every moment in the coming weeks, or as we, as we go through the series of the Holy Spirit, that you consume me, that I desire nothing more than to know you and be in relationship with you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.